Welcome to Spoilers Please, where we talk about any form of media that tells stories, usually movies and TV shows, and we'll do so with spoilers. You've been warned. Hello, my name is Albert. This is Jami. This is Josephine. This is Edward. And for this episode, we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yay! Yay. I am Groot. Okay. Anyways, so, I am Groot. Uh, I I said that Baby Groot is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And a lot of people probably went to this movie because of Baby Groot. The best mascot for this movie. Surprisingly enough, not enough Baby Groot in the movie. Right? No, I didn't feel uh, that. I think there was plenty of baby. I think there was plenty of baby. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you would got tired of it. They used it too much. I thought they used it just just in the right amount. I thought I thought I thought it was fine of it. It was good. All right, yeah. all right. Basically, what do you guys think, uh, Edward? Uh, um, go, I didn't like the first movie, so I did not like the second movie. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, there are. Just like in the first movie, there are good moments, but overall, as a film, it's not what I would watch over and over. Um, like, basically, Marvel falls into their traps of these really boring storylines and really boring villains. And then with Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like, in a way, it's like a parody of all the superhero films because they're like, I don't know. There's just something about Guardians of the Galaxy I did not like. So the second one was an overdose of the first film. And so it made me like it less. But, you know, there are good moments. And then I like the costume designs. And I like... It's very visually appealing and all these things. But in terms of it being, like, a good film overall, I'm like, nah. Like, it's definitely not one of the best Marvel films. Even though I know a lot of people can be like, oh, my God, no, it is. It's the best one I've ever seen. So. Yeah. Well, I, I fall in that camp. But anyways, uh, Edward, go ahead. My opinion is actually very similar to Josephine. The only difference is that I love the first movie. I thought the first one was excellent. I think it was just like a good departure from typical Marvel fare. But my exactly what Josephine said, my problem this sequel is that it was an overdose of what made the first one successful. You want you like Baby Groot? Here's more Baby Groot. You like Drax being ironic? Here's even more Drax. Um, you know all of that stuff, and and then you have, you know, the fact that it was already a lot of characters in the first movie. Now you have even more characters, so it just felt e- even more thin. It was more thin, and the villain who, you know, the the villain reveal turned out for me ultimately disappointing. I did not want Ego to be the villain. We'll get to that later. Um, that was a huge disappointment for me. And I guess it was also random seeing Michelle Yao play like an itty bitty role. And I'm like, what, what, what's that? What's she doing? Um, I, I can explain yeah, that later. Ultimately it felt disappointing for me. There were good moments. Like Josephine said, I enjoyed a few moments here and there, but story wise, like story arc wise, why do I give a shit wise? It's not there anymore. I have a feeling this will be the train Marvel's going to be on. It's been on this train for a while, and I think it'll continue to be on this train, especially as we lead to the Infinity War. And I'm like, there's going to be like 30 actors all on screen. There's going to be no character development. They're, they just won't have time. Okay, I, I have a feeling there's going to be uh, Skype people versus non Skype people here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Javi, go ahead. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I loved it a lot. I, I, I re- and the first one I liked a lot too. Man. And I think this movie and the first one just kind of like one, they're kind of like companion pieces. I don't think you can separate the two of them. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really confident. I like the fact that the story 
didn't really push ahead. You know what I mean? There was like a lot of the things I saw online as far as people not liking it's because they said there was like no story, there's like no propulsion to it. And that's I thought it was a strength. I thought I thought nothing in this movie happened because of a plot point or because he had to go chase down Infinity War, Infinity Gym. Everything that happened in this movie was all character driven and all the characters made sense as far as their motivation and stuff. I loved it. I loved the humor. I loved the special effects. I loved the acting. I loved the writing. I will admit the third act had some issues. There's some parts of the third act I don't like. But overall, I, I would put this on the same level as the first Guardian of the Galaxy. I loved it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same about as Jumming also. Everything he said. Uh, I also do appreciate the fact that this movie can and the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise can kind of stand on their own against the MCUs. You don't have to really watch any of the other Marvel movies, and you can still enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's a huge appeal for this franchise. I know the first movie ties in a lot with Thanos and all that stuff, but if you look at it just from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, they can actually just stand on their own. If you just ignore all the Easter eggs at the back uh, credit stuff, these movies can stand on their own. I think that's really a huge plus for this movie. But yeah, I like the humor. Uh, it's visually one of probably the best MCU movie I've ever seen in the MCU line right now. And it's a comedy. It's a space comedy. Star Wars meets comedy stuff. It's it's hella fun. I thought it was a really fun movie. And that's all we have for this podcast. <laughs> Yay! <No. laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how you how you want to handle this discussion. It's it, it, it could be either like you tell us what your problem is and me and Jamie can say what you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? Hold on, Edward, before I forget, the whole Michelle Yeoh thing, let's go ahead and tackle this right now. Um, the uh, Sylvester Stallone, Michelle Yeoh, Michael Rosenbaum, Miley Cyrus, and... Things uh, are about to get really, really Rames. nerdy. And Ving Rhames. Deep the, cuts here. Miley Cyrus the, was there? Yeah. Yes. That was Miley Cyrus? She's okay, the voice. Basically, the, the group that Sylvester Stallone is part of, in the comic books, that's actually the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, so, which one was Miley Cyrus? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She was hung the, up on the this. box, the voiceover box. She was the android, oh. the only, the only the head, the head. Yeah. So oh, th- those so. those characters are actually in the comic books, the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, well, that's basically just them throwing another giant Easter egg to be like, look, guys. No, I I really think Volume Three is gonna involve those characters. That's the reason why it seemed like yeah. like why would you toss Michelle Yeoh to oh, that God. small scene? They're building up to probably the next volume so that they have bigger roles. So that's the reason why that exists. All right. And also, oh, wait, hold on a second. Just to get a little bit more nerdy and stuff like that. <laughs> just a little bit more. In in the movie itself, uh, Rocket, Raccoon, Raccoon, Rocket. Rocket, Rocket and Yondu were captured at that self scene, right? And then Yondu was telling him about the, his past. He was talking about the Sylvester Stallone character, how he used to run with them, and how he said like his old gang would was also like your current... Uh, your current family, your current team right now. So what he's talking about is he, he, the previous iteration of the Guardian Galaxy. You know what I mean? So it's 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 uh, what called it? it's adding layers to this universe. You know what I mean? To kind of coincide with the comic book. You know what I mean? Yondu, that character, the was also part of that original Guardian Galaxy. So it's all kind of interconnected in a little bit. Not only that, but it kind of parallels the storyline with Rocket and and Peter. Because remember, in the very beginning, Peter was like, "Are you purposely trying to make us hate you?" Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, right? And then in Yondu, Yondu told Rocket, you're like me. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in the Yondu's universe, he's Rocket. Sylvester Stallone is Peter. Yeah. Uh, Yondu was, got to the point where he, ba- he betrayed um, Sylvester Stallone's character to the point where he was separated from his group, 
which is the direction Rocket was headed for. Yeah, he, he's also pushing his group away yeah. right now. And you also keep in mind, when uh, the last scene of the movie, it ends on, 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 on Rocket. You know what I mean? So it kind of tells you, and Rocket's looking at the funeral, I mean, looking at Yondu's ashes being spread around the galaxy and stuff. So it's foreshadowing what Volume 3 is going to be about. It's going to be Rocket. I think it's going to be Rocket's movie, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe. I, th- I think it's really more like a symbolism of the parallel that, that, that uh, Rocket now can see that he shouldn't try and yeah. force himself to be an outsider among his own Yeah, but family. the thing is, there's no resolution. Family. My whole thing is, like, there's no resolution to that. You know what I mean? He, you don't see him being more accepting of the group at the end, right? So I think it's foreshadowing. I think the next one would be about him, and also they'll probably throw a kid in there somewhere. But yeah, I think it's foreshadowing. <laughs> Why, yeah, well, Why the first, are they throwing a kid in there? Because the first one's Don't throw a kid in there. Come on. <laughs> no, because the first one's about mother. Second one's about father. Third one has to be about uh, Peter and, and him and having a kid. And having a kid. So Gamora's going to be if, pregnant. It, 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 it feels, well, it could be Adam Warlock. He might throw his stuff, good, good stuff in there. Too. Adam Warlock's gonna be a kid. No, it's gonna be like a, I think this is a, this is a fan theory on Reddit and stuff like that. That Quill genetic material might be used to make uh, Adam Warlock and stuff because they did flirt. Interesting. They did flirt in the beginning of the movie and stuff. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Oh yeah. So anyway. that's another that's another nerdy thing. The cocoon thing at the end. It's the Adam nerdy. character very is nerdy. Adam Warlock, which is a huge deal with the whole Thanos thing because uh, Adam Warlock becomes kind of like a frenemy of Thanos. So yeah. Okay, Josephine Edward, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll start with the things we did like. Well, I'll start with the things I personally liked. Um, I think the actors, uh, I mean, like, they still bring it. It's, like, I have, it's, they still do the best job they can. Um, I especially appreciated the, the sequence with Gamora, uh, fighting against her sister Nebula, and when she took a giant gun and blasted it, that was probably one of the best scenes of the movie. Um... I did appreciate that they were going for the 70s vibe. If the first one was more 80s, this was 70s. So the soundtrack and the visuals reflected that. So stylistically, I will agree that it is one of the more like more stunning and more like you know more uh, there's a there's more of a signature in terms of like you can identify that this is what it is. While a lot of Marvel films uh, tend to kind of just bleed with each other, they all kind of look the same. Um, so Guardians have a place and like you know just they're making a stylistic choice and they're sticking with it it's the most colorful uh, so I appreciate that hmm? what oh, it's very colorful this movie it's very is colorful. very colorful yeah. especially when they did the hyperspace travel and the guys were just freaking out you're, you know, I like, love that scene yeah. that was probably I enjoy. I laughed out loud in that scene same here um, I I think from and then I appreciated the new character additions. I think Kurt Russell did the best he could. Same with uh, Palm Clementi, who played Mantis. Uh, so that's how I you think say her they, name. they did great. I mean, they were they were fine. So acting wise, got no problems so much. I think what we'll what I'll we'll eventually delve into our negative side is like the pacing, structure, story, uh, the main core elements of why audience members should care. That's, but anyways, that's why that's the things I liked. Uh, Josephine, I would like to toss in real quick. Uh, at least Mantis, this is the theme of the Spoilers Please podcast. At least Mantis is half Asian. <laughs> okay, guys, at least she's half Asian, Korean. Well, I think she's an insect. I think. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the actress, movie. the actress, because oh, she mentioned she was born in a larvae. The actress she, is half Asian. What? We'll okay. talk about that <laughs> later. Yeah, they, they also, really changed the origins of yeah. Mantis for this. And movie. FYI, Batista's half Filipino too. So you had a half Asian. Though. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, Batista's half Asian. Ooh. Batista Batista's, apparently is half Filipino. Yeah, so half he's Filipino. half Asian. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He doesn't look it at all, so it doesn't really. So matter, you take but, the two, yeah. So you take the two halves, you get one full Asian. <laughs> the Galaxy. Yeah, 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 what do you yeah, think yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Josephine, go ahead. 
Hold on, she's she's updating her Facebook. Hold on a second. <laughs> is she updating her Facebook? She's she's tweeting something. Hold on a second. How much I hate Albert. No, this. <laughs> I mean, you know, I let's just say I'm glad I watched the movie for free. <laughs> yeah, free. not because you know backs of trucks fall off of things, but we accidentally I mean, we went to a film festival and they were like, hey, we also have a screener for Guardians of the Galaxy too. So we're like, oh, I guess we'll watch that. Don't need a. Set aside other time for it, and so we ended up watching that. We watched it in 40x. Oh too. yeah, we watched it in 40x. So we had wind blowing on us. Are you chairs moving. How is that? Is that worth? Everywhere. It was intense. Is it worth the extra money though? I um, mean, I think it's interesting for you to check out at least once, just in, your once life. in your life. Is that what so it is? You know one time. If okay. you want to do it again in the future. <laughs> okay. Um, it definitely is distracting though from the movie because if you, there's like okay, obviously action scenes, you know these seats are moving and everything, sure. but then there's like wind blowing in your face and the parts where it's like oh suddenly we're on a snow planet and then like fake snow <laughs> will come out from the skies. And also, so, but that, is that three D? Do you have to wear three glasses for it? Yeah, you have to you wear three D glasses while stuff. you're sitting in a moving chair. Yeah, that's, I'm not. I don't think I'm. Seems like that. a weird choice on their behalf. It's a little overkill. Yeah, if, if you're gonna have I mean, real, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the films you would do that with because it's a very sure. action-packed film. If, if you're gonna have fake snow falling from the ceiling, do you really need three D glasses for that? Come on, yes. that's what I'm saying. Yes. Overkill. It's a bit much, man. But go ahead. Um, yeah, I appreciate that one time jump scene um when they're everyone's going bonkers and but then that part brought me to go like oh i guess it really wasn't that bad that you did like 700 jumps in a row because the only thing that happened was that what you guys couldn't stand for a split second and Groot threw up that's about it there was really no consequences to doing that it so, was I mean, why awesome everybody just it was do an it? awesome joke though come on it's good okay like if you're gonna brush everything off as an awesome joke and it being fun i don't think that helps hold up the film as itself. So it's just, okay, so that's one of the few things. And like I said, oh, yeah, it was visually very, very, you know, pretty. It's, it's pretty. It's just, it's pretty to look at. But then, I don't know, I, I can't really, uh, I got, yeah, there's not, it's, it's, you're just kind of grasping at straws here for me. We got a whole list of negatives, but uh, I guess we'll. It's not just negative. There's things that could have worked, things but they didn't worked, do it well. Or like potentials they could have uh, fully realized but didn't. Uh, no, feel free. Uh, mention it. All right. Uh, Justin, you want to go with this? I don't know where to start. Um, okay, well, if we're talking about characters and you saying how you really... You guys made this movie really deep, by the way. Like how you're like, you know, Thank I you. can see the yeah. parallel Thank in you. this character. And I was like, whoa. We, we, we can go and further than that. Okay, we can I, go further we, than that. I haven't mentioned I the whole... Okay. I haven't mentioned the whole part about... <laughs> The whole uh, Kurt Russell character being being called Ego, but it's actually the male ego. But we haven't gotten to that part yet. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you want to talk about male ego? Okay, yeah. we'll go on that one too. Okay, so in terms of just you guys comparing, like, okay, Yondu is Rocket, right? Ah, ha, ha. That, they had the most random exposition moments. Because it's like, okay, they're sitting in jail, and then all of a sudden Yondu's like, you know, I got to tell you about my past. And you're like, what the fuck? Just try to get out of this prison. And then later on when, when they're on the ship, and they're like, all right, let's go... Let's go save him. He's like, no, Rocket, you're like me. Let me tell you why. And I was like, what the fuck? This reminds me of World of Warcraft, where they throw you into the world, and you're like, okay, cool. I guess I'm not going to have time to have you guys explain the story to me. And then the most random times, they'll go, you know what? Right now is a good time for me to tell you about my life. And you're like, wait, nothing led up to it. It just They just suddenly threw you in from the left field because they're like, you know what? We, we, we didn't have enough exposition, so let's throw this in here. 
So I feel like they did that a lot with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And it was it just makes you go like, wait, what the fuck? Why are you talking about this now? And then it was very dramatic, especially like the one when you said, oh, Yondu, you know, you're just like, you know, Rocket, you're just like me. I see myself in you. You really care about them. Like that whole tirade, it was for me completely unnecessary. It's one of those things where you don't need to say it for us to understand it. But here they are like, let me over explain myself, myself in the most random time. And then you guys talking about, okay, the male ego. Yeah, like like Edward said, I didn't want him to be the villain because it was one of those things where he could have played a much bigger character overall in the entire story of, like, the whole Infinity War as well. And then it's such a, I feel like, kind of a cheap trick where it's like, I mean, all the villains, oh, I just want to take over the, you know, the entire galaxy because I'm a villain and that's what I want to do. So in terms of there being more to him, there wasn't. Like, he, he could have had more to him, but they didn't. And then, yes, haha, his name's Ego because he's a very, he has a really big ego. And then you were saying, like, okay, he has that male ego. Same with Star-Lord. Like, in the first film, I appreciated that, okay, yes, he's like a player. He's constantly going after girls. And then there's Gamora, and he's obviously going to try to go after her. But she's like, no, I don't see you like that. And this is Marvel always having to give every single female character some love interest or making her become that girl because they have no other choice or, or they, they just they don't see women as being individuals they have to be linked to somebody and that pisses me off so much because Gamora at least in all the comics that I've seen her in she's just a very individualistic person she doesn't need Star-Lord to be her boyfriend or whatever the fuck like I unless you guys read all the comics and you can tell me like oh no they they were together in this stuff or whatever but I never thought that she was actually supposed to be with anybody she's just part of the she's another team member you know and then here in this movie, they really shoved it in your face where they're like, look, Star-Lord really likes Gamora. We're really going to try to put her with him. And she's going to give in. And what I got from the end of the film is, basically, if you keep chasing after a girl, she's eventually going to like you, even if she tells you no. Like, in an nth amount of times, if you keep trying, she will eventually give in to that. And that's what I got from it. No, and then same with... What? Sorry. No, fair enough. Um... Yes, to that point, but I always got the impression that Gamora kind of liked Peter Quill anyway, from the even from the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So there's that. And yeah, I believe they were together in the comic books at one point. I believe so. Uh, but currently right now, uh, spoilers for the comic books, but Peter Quill is currently dating uh, Kitty Pryde of the X-Men. And that's like, uh, yes, I've seen yeah. I've seen that part. So I was yeah. like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Except, also, you know, I think they gave you classes. I think they gave you just a shoulder hug at the end of the movie. I don't think that constitutes them being together and stuff. And it's not like love blossomed um, at the end of the movie and stuff like no, that. No, they try know? to do the underplay thing because they're like, we can't yeah. full on have her like, you know, break out in Disney song to say how much she loves him. But she's like, when he looked at her, she's like, oh, you know, it's some unspoken thing. Because that's what he kept referring to the entire film. Like, oh, I know you like me, but he's not going to straight up say that because he's trying to keep his stupid pride and but trying no, to have Gamora meet but, him. No, he's also immature too. He's kind of stuck in arrested development. He's also a kid who's just stuck in that 80s kind of pop culture. He can't communicate with a girl directly. He's talk, He's using these movie and TV references because he doesn't know how to yeah. you know, talk to her straight up. You know and what I, I, mean? I think it was supposed to be a straight parallel. I mean, the movie even says it. Once again, yeah, it, it wasn't a show-don't-tell thing, but he said... You're the you're Diane and I'm and I'm Sam from Cheers. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of the parallel that they have in the movie as well. So and also going that. going back to what you said earlier about the action sequence between the two sisters and the sibling rival, I thought it was really interesting that yeah. they gave the ladies the a main action sequence in the, in the middle of this movie. I thought it was really I think it's really subversive. And they gave uh, Drax uh, Dave Bautista's character, the guy who you think would be out there, 
with the whole action sequence kicking ass. He they gave him this really weird and really strange love story and stuff like that. I thought it was really okay, nice. Okay, yeah, really let's talk about that weird. love story. That's another thing that pisses me off. You introduced <laughs> yeah. Mantis, who, by the way, we've talked about, mm-hmm. they completely changed her origin story. Now they straight up made her a bug. I'm like, just because her name is Mantis, does that mean she literally yeah. is a bug, guys? Oh my god. Yes, I guess this is where Marvel, they're very afraid of offending the Asian people by going, oh my god, but Mantis, you know, started off as a sex worker on Earth because she was like this half Vietnamese, half some European girl, and then, oh, and then she became an extreme martial artist, which you're like, yeah, I get that that's the stereotype, but you could have made it work, you know? You made it work for the other characters, Black you could make it work. Black Panther, they made it work. Yeah, exactly. You made Black Panther, like, all this guy, you know, a black man with all these black stereotypes, but you made it work. So why couldn't you do that with Mantis? And here she is just going around, like, touching people, and, like, I can feel your emotions, which, yes, she also does, but her also big thing is that she is a ferocious warrior that, like... You know, you can't you can't beat her because she's really good at martial arts, and yet she doesn't do that. And then, yeah, okay, I was ha- talking about this with other people, and they would be like, you know, I don't see her and Drax having a love story. It was more like camaraderie and friendship. And I'm like, no, it was a love story that yeah. was very but, like, oh, haha, we're like children on the school ground. Yeah, you but know, where- I'm, I'm saying the love story is coming from Drax's side of you. She already mentioned she's a bug. She doesn't have to she's just not interested in him because it's not no, she's not, learning about these yeah things. she's also and, not you know, the same as species she has proven no but she said if you're a guy and you force yourself on her sorry no, what but she said clearly i don't i'm not into you i'm not even the same species as you she mentioned that and stuff like that and also as far as her kicking ass and all that stuff strength doesn't always come from action sequences the fact that they yes. they turned on ego is because of her she she had that moment with Drax. She felt her. Oh, let's work. You want to talk about that stuff too? Yeah. That's she not felt a she felt his pain of losing her, her his family. So she didn't want him to go go through the same thing when he touched her and stuff like that. So she decided. So to tell, why now? Out of all the kids that Ego killed, why does Man just give a shit? Yeah, now? but the thing is, we're watching this movie though. We can't watch the other movies of the other kids and stuff like that. You know, what I mean? we're watching well, this movie. You know what I mean? We can't. You know. Watch you know different versions of this, you know. Uh, and like I said, she, so the whole turn comes from her and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You can say the whole turn, but it also doesn't explain why Ego ever needed her in the first place. Like I feel like they shoved that into the storyline just so they can show, like, oh look, um, okay, so they introduce her by going, oh yeah, I'm here because my master needs me to help him sleep. Like why? Oh, cause he gets stressed out at night. That doesn't fucking matter. That doesn't really do anything for the story itself. It's just the later on that when they're like, oh God, how do we stop ego? Quick, Mantis, put him to sleep. Like, okay, that's the only purpose you serve. Well, every char- every character has a purpose. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the movie. Uh, first ahead, off, uh, I don't think Drax was in love with Mantis. I, I know he said some nice things about her and some funny not nice things about her, but I don't think he was necessarily in love with her. Moving on. Though. I don't say. I don't think it's like they're in love yet. Yeah, but I don't they're think love up, up but to I'm it. Just, yeah. Um, I debate about that. But anyways, um, we won't find out till volume three, so I'm not yeah. going to talk about that mm-hmm. part. But uh, as far as the whole thing with her being in charge of putting him, putting ego to sleep, I think it's because she knows how dangerous the guy is. He's safest when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. So for all we know, she puts him purposely to sleep so that he doesn't cause any more trouble to the universe. And that's the reason that's why a she's... very flimsy thing argument because it's like he enlisted her for that very purpose. It was never Mantis's idea to do that. He, Ego found her, found her purpose, which is to put her to sleep. Put him. Why? And then Ego says, "Oh, because I've been in pain because I've been trying to find you, and apparently it was all a big lie because he doesn't give a shit about Peter or his Walkman or his mother. Who, by the way, if you're trying to enlist." 
Star Lord to be your like protege, to be your you know accomplice. And you know Peter was pretty much on board. His eyes turned that weird color, and it looked like they're they're these two are about to like you know fuck shit up. And then he goes, oh by the way, I put the tumor in your mother's brain. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that? Because I mean like this is one of those things where it's like. I, I want to appreciate I want to have fun in movies. That's why I like the first one. I really did. This one is just like you you get I got to a certain point where I just start questioning the logic of everything because it's just like these character choices, they have to make sense to a certain degree. And it, the problem with this movie was that there were so many things that just didn't make any sense. For example, uh, let's go back. We'll talk about Yondu. Why does Yondu get all these like, wait, oh, wait, wait, I, wait. Oh, okay, I, I got an answer to the ego thing. Yeah. Um, the reason, yeah, when I saw that, I go, why would you tell him that? And I realized because his name is Ego. He got to the point where he thought that Stardust was completely on board, that he would understand why he did what he had to do. And he's also a god for Lower Chi. You're thinking about <laughs> it G, through the perspective yeah. of a human that's born on Earth and stuff like that, that's lived your life. He, when James Gunn wrote the character, he's writing it from a character that's born like a, like a brain, and he's trying to figure, and he doesn't really have human emotions like you and I. He assumed what, what he called, in his mind, he loved the girl, and in his mind, he he is perfectly justified in killing her because he it's he he thinks that's the most, that's the most important thing to him. You know what I mean? So he said so he loves her, but he doesn't want to go back to that planet three or four times and stuff. So he put the cancer in because he thinks coldly, you know, in a perfectly logical way, that's a perfect good solution to this emotional problem he has. You know what I mean? Like right. I said. You can't. You have to look at the characters from the character's perspective. You know what I mean? So it makes perfect sense. But he, he was see, the problem with that is yeah. that like then you. It's okay. It's like if we just argue in the sense of like okay, these characters. It's just these are how the characters are. That's how they are. But then you sacrifice story. You sacrifice logic. You sacrifice all these things. So then all you have is just a cool-looking movie with cool moments and funny lines, yeah, but, and that's it. But logic and motivation is relative to whatever character you're, you're yeah. talking about. It's, in it's in our relative. perspective, what yeah. he said was logical. Yeah, That's the thing. I mean, if it was a human character doing that, that's illogical, because why would he do that? Yeah, That's like a James Bond villain monologuing what he's going to do. That's illogical. Yeah, no idea, so that, Peter, Peter, yeah, no idea that just, Peter would have that just reaction. just him what exactly he is, which is my big problem with this film. Ego turns out to be a Bond villain. And that was like, that was, it just become, and then like, then you see what he does to the universe. He turned, he did his little plants, he planted all his seeds all over the universe. They blow up and they become this massive blob that just consumes millions of people, which honestly, I've seen this a thousand times in Marvel movies and DC movies. They've just resorted to the same formula of things blowing up or things killing a lot of people. It just becomes... This like the, v, uh, the visual CGI nonsense. It's just like, bleh, like no, no, look no, at all these people die. No, that, that, that's a fair complaint. It's always about like take over the world, take over the universe kind of scenario. But at least there's no big giant blue light coming yeah. from the ground thing in this one. There was still blue light. There's he still blue light. himself is blue light. It was coming from the, it wasn't coming from the sky. It's coming from the ground. This time. <laughs> I will concede this point. I did not like the big blob coming from the ground because yeah. if you because his own, you have to use the character's logic against him. You know what I mean? Because so in this character, he said he developed the world you're standing on, uh, layer by layer, piece by piece. You know what I mean? It's very intricate. It's very beautiful. So when he plants his flowers on these different plants, how come when they spring out, how come they're not equally as beautiful, intricate as it's as intricate? You know what I mean? Like if he wants his plant to be beautiful, well, how come this giant blob is just all disgusting looking? I did not like the blob. You know, what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, I, I didn't like the blob either, but I I get why it is the way it is yeah. because he's trying to like consume all these planets. Mm-hmm. And he wants all the planets to be 
him. Yeah, let me just go to, go to the whole ego thing. I mean, let's just speak very broadly, like the basic uh, metaphor they're trying to do with the whole ego, male ego. I like the fact that this villain is a representation of the male ego, basically, which is basically he can just go out, plant his seed wherever he wants, sleep with as many women, impregnate as many of them without any kind of consequence. You know what I mean? He thinks years later he can come back into a, a child's life and be the dominant person out tell a kid what to do, even though, like I said, he hasn't earned it. He hasn't been in that kid's life to earn that 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 you know what i mean i rem- i'm reminded of the, sh- the story that uh, Shaq, the basketball player told on howard stern when he was a little kid his biological dad left his mom left him and stuff like that so he was raised by his stepdad this military guy right so, and then you and the military guy really shaped his life it be- helped Shaq become the man he is and then when he- Shaq became famous like Starlord became famous and stuff like that and he started earning a lot of money the biological father came back into his life trying to get trying to mooch off him and stuff like that you know what i mean so wait so yandu is the stepdad the military dad <laughs> yeah basically that's what i'm trying to say this is that whole idea that whole uh metaphor works for me for a villain for a movie it's really good the idea the other idea is basically this uh Kurt Russell character, he's basically kind of an orcaholic as well. He's always out there talking about the, ab- the abstract idea of, oh, I'm doing this for, for you. I'm out there working like 24 hours. I'm not here. I'm traveling all the time. But when I come back, I'm still your father. I still can tell you what to do because, because out there, I'm doing all this work for you. I'm making all this money for you. I'm creating this project for you and stuff like that. that you know what I mean? It's like a privilege that he thinks he's earned. You know what I mean? So I think that's a great motivation for a villain. I think it's very so deep. So I get that. I mean, I, I had a feeling like, you know, when they announced the cast and they were talking like this story was going to be a very father-son thing and then mm-hmm. Yondu would also have his own terminal. That, that's my other problem. And this is where uh, I didn't see where all of a sudden Yondu became this emotional wreck of like, oh, no, I have feelings for Star-Lord because in the first, like, did, did you see that coming? Like, in the first, yes. first yes. movie. I did, actually. I did. You saw yeah. it coming. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see it come. I didn't feel like it. I mean, it was kind of, it was there, he, but then like it, it just became this 180 turn where all of a sudden he's an emotional wreck. No, yeah. The, the so, fact that like, he let Peter Quill go in the first movie showed that he did have some kind of fatherly affection to Peter. He could have I killed Peter a bunch of times in the first movie. And also at the end when Peter, he realizes Peter screwed him over with the Infinity Stone. He wasn't scowling. He wasn't angry. He was smiling at the fact that the little troll was in that little container. I, it's, it's, I think it's earned. I don't think this volume two exists in a vo- in a vacuum. I think a lot of this payoff, a lot of the emotion comes from volume one. You have to watch. You have to consider both volumes as a as a one and two. It's just, you know a lot of the a, a lot of the stuff comes from the first volume. You mentioned earlier. Uh, oh, go ahead. oh, just okay. I was gonna say you say there's a lot of payoff coming off from the first film. Which okay, that, yeah, that's why you bring Yondu back and anybody from the first film in the first place, but that's the question. If they have spent this entire first film trying to be the new Guardians of the Galaxy, and now they are, what? where is the rest of the universe that they have interacted with? So where's, they, no, where's Nova Corp? Yeah, so Nova Corp. Not Nova Corp. Sovereign, the first they were fighting against because they were hired by them, and yet when Sovereign sends their armies against Guardians of the Galaxy, like, Nova Corps is nowhere to be found. They Shouldn't they have been like, oh, shit, um, some of our agents are, like, going to be attacked by this entire race. We should probably help. And then when you see all the blobs overtaking every single planet out in the galaxy, nobody, nobody cares, apparently. Apparently, no one's helping anybody. They're all just like, ah, 
we can't help. Yeah, but the thing like, is, you're maybe, a, but the thing is, you're asking questions nobody really kind of asks when you're watching a movie. So when you're reading a comic book or watching another movie, you also go, oh, how come Spider Man is is this an adventure? Is this, in this story he's having this adventure? But how come the other Avengers doesn't show up and and help him out? It's just no. This is it's the conceit that's, of the you movie. You just said it yourself. You just said it. That's a you, problem. That's the problem. You you're then like you, oh. It then really every movie you go into, you go like oh. Then you have a billion questions for every movie. Then then by your logic, no, you go that's like that's a really basic question. You like you guys keep saying it's a standalone film. Yes, but then it still needs to tie into the first film. Yeah, but if you want to say galaxies, the Guardians of the Galaxy are their own standalone then, films. Then you're repeating they still the first movie too. First film. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Refresh your memory. Guardians of the Galaxy are part of the Nova Corps. When did that happen? No, they're under they're their protection. Them, they're under their they're protection. Like, okay, they're you guys are like great, and we're gonna help you guys, and whatever. We're like BFFs now. I, I thought, I thought, film. I thought that yeah, was a close. Was like, no, you are. We're gonna help you guys. You saved the galaxy. Yeah, but I thought that was because they saved the galaxy. It doesn't mean that they are part of the Nova Corps. It doesn't mean that Nova Corps will come to the rescue whenever yeah. they're in well, trouble. Regardless and also, of that, it's and also whether, Kree were also they in that. Save them or not. Oh, sorry. Arguing. We're just arguing. Oh. Basically, yeah. Nova Corps, <laughs> shit was happening in the universe. Where are they? Like, like it's like as if they forgot that they existed. And yeah, we asked some people, well, that's going to be too many characters. I'm like, you already have like 50 Hold million on. characters now. Well, you know, might just add them in and be like, you want to see like something that was like an, an epic opportunity missed. And this is where I feel like an opportunity was missed was that when the sovereign forces are coming in and invading shit and they're, they're fighting everyone – if the Nova Corps came in, and then it becomes like the Star Wars level esque fight. Like you see two, like all this fucking shit happen. Is like that would be great, and it would always explain that Nova Corps gives a shit about like the universe that apparently Ego Planet has been like taking over. Okay. They, they, so. The impression I got was when the Sovereign was trying to get the Guardians of the Galaxy. Nova Corps is not aware of that yet because they're doing it behind everybody's back. This whole conflict between Guardians and Sovereign is n- not known to everybody. When the blob things happen, sure, they could have shown a scene where the Avengers came in to try and save people. They could have shown in a scene where the Nova Corps is trying to help other planets who are getting affected by it, but they did not. And that, that could be a, considered a flaw, but it also could be considered a deleted scene. Maybe they did do that, and maybe they cut it off in the movie. And but also, the point is that it's irrelevant to the whole story of, the, of this particular movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And also, if you throw in a Nova Corps, people will just go, oh, you're just, re- you're just reading the first movie. Why are you throwing a Nova Corps in there? It's a different movie. Why do you have to throw the Nova Corps? Nah, I don't think people are going to see And that. also, if you buy, go by that logic, why don't you just throw the Kree in there, too? Why am the Thanos? He was in the first movie. Why did Thanos show up? I was like, looking for I'm, Thanos. I'm, I'm, where, where, <laughs> the thing where is, is you're judging. Yeah, where is Thanos? Where is Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned that. I'm just, you guys said that it's a standalone film, but it's more like a filler, entire filler film. This is like the Iron Fist of the Defenders. They just put it out because they're like, well, yeah, but it was your time to have a film. It was your time to have a moment to shine before we have the Infinity War. I, I don't like, think I don't think this is a filler film though, because it really expanded on the characters. The what the main thing I like about this movie is the fact that it's not pretty much like like a typical uh, Marvel movie where it has to be big stakes at hand. Sure, they had to save the universe again, but in terms of like the characters themselves, it's more of a relationship story. Yeah. it's about Gamora and Nebula. It's about Peter and his dad. It's about Rocket and Yondu. It's about uh, Drax and Mantis. It's about, uh, and then Baby Groot is kind of part of the part of the group. Yeah. It it really is like a small movie with big stuff happening around it, and that is one of the main things I really like about this movie. Look at if the you thing- want to talk about a small movie feel, big things happening around it. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not even that. If you were talking about a Marvel problem, we'll get we'll talk about this another time. That what you just described would 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 be won by Legion. They accomplished. They accomplished the small movie feel with big shit happening around it. 
I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy. You mean uh, Legion as in like the TV series? The TV show. Yeah, the TV yeah. series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, just, well, part of it too is because well, first off, it's a TV show, yeah. so yeah, it it can, it can kind of expand to that. The, 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 uh, this is like another topic that I want to do in another in another episode about right. movies versus TV shows and which one is actually the better form of storytelling. But that's besides the point. So go ahead, Jamie. I, I have one more point. The thing is, if you look at the transitions from scene to scene, everything is not motivated motivated by plot. In the first movie, they're always ch- they're trying to get out of the prison, and they're trying to get the Infinity Stone, they're trying to get the Infinity Stone to A point A point B. They're trying to get the Infinity Stone back. Look at all the scenes. Look at what carries scene to scene. Gamora, uh, was Nebula goes goes back and goes get uh, Gamora because uh, she hates her sister. So it's like all everything's character motivated and stuff like that. Star Lord goes with his dad because he wants to learn more about his dad and stuff like that. Uh, Kraken. Uh, decides to save Yandu because he loves Yandu and all his buddies got killed. Everything in this movie is motivated by character, character choices and stuff like that. It's not plot-driven and stuff like that. that I think that's a real strength of the movie. The, the writer-director is so confident in these characters and they're so three-dimensional. He's just going to put them in, the, in these different situations. He's going to let them you know, carry the scene through character and stuff like that. You mentioned earlier, like, oh, how come when Rocket and Yandu were in a prison, they weren't focusing on uh, doing a prison break? They had that scene. They had that in the first movie. So what they did is instead they talked about character. They talked about who they are, who, what, you know, who, you know, they're, what motivates them and stuff like that. So I think that's the main point of the movie. But well, at the same time, there is a prison break. It was hilarious trying to convince Baby Groot and how to rescue them. Yeah. And then when they actually do the prison break, um, they actually murdered a lot of people. Yeah, and also the scene... For a kids movie. Well, uh, not really a kids movie, but for a movie that's, that kids yeah, are going to be watching, yeah. there's literally a scene where people are, they are getting killed in slow motion yeah. to like a pop song, more or less, and it's, it's shown like a joke. Yeah, I want to mention, mention this point, too, because I want to take... Uh, I always like to take five minutes in these Marvel reviews to slam DC movies. DC, <laughs> oh, no, here we go. Gosh. Here we go. No, these DC movies always say, oh, they're grim and gray. They're, they're what do you call it? They're, uh, they're, they're real. They're hardcore. They have real emotions. In this movie, this is what you have in this movie. You have a, you have a planet of robot prostitutes. You have that. You have infant side right now. All those kids got killed. You have uh, uh, child soldiers with Gamora and a Nebula and stuff like that. You have this mass murder scene with Yondu poking arrows at everybody. You have people thrown out into space where they get frozen like popsicles and stuff like that. That's in this movie. That's in a Marvel movie. That's a yeah. Disney movie. And, and for That's the, hardcore. That's hardcore. But for the matter of the two, these are not superheroes. Yeah, but also at they the same time... They are not time, superheroes. But at the same time, you had a lot of fun, you had a lot of humor. So you can balance all these different uh, moods and tones and stuff like that. Grim and Gritty is just an excuse for not making a bad movie for DC, is what I'm saying. That's my end of my rant. Okay, you want to talk about... <laughs> the humor, right? Sure. The first film, for example, Drax, he was funny because he didn't speak much, but then whenever he did, the shit he said was so dumb or ironic that, yes, for his character and his species, you're like, it's funny to us as humans because we don't process our brains like that, but it's funny. And then so the second film, that, like you guys said in the very, very beginning of this podcast, you want more Drax? Here's more Drax. It's like Kronk in Emperor's New Group. You like Kronk? Well, give him his own fucking film and ruin the character completely because now you have way too much Kronk. It's not funny when Drax is laughing at everything, when he just keeps talking for the sake of talking. And you're like, this is irrelevant to anything. You've wasted your moment. You've killed this horse 500 times over. That's what happened with Drax in this film. And then I, 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 I still found it funny. Groot. I found it funny. Mm-hmm. I still found it funny, but, I, but go ahead. I found it funny the fact that you're taking this weird dude and he's kind of related to this insect lady now. And yeah. stuff like that. No, it's, 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 you know, honestly, comedy is subjective, but I still found Drax hella funny. Yeah, it's very funny. I think it's hella funny. funny. Okay, go on. Well, and Baby Groot, you want to make him cute by just throwing him into everything? It was kind of like, 
Okay, the opening sequence was innovative. Where we, it was we like, like, we can agree yeah. that we both love the opening. I, I, didn't I love it. I yes. just thought it was innovative. She, like, she, it, it was. It was awesome. Oh. It was pretty brilliant. It's pretty brilliant. But I think, yeah, I think I, I like, what, Baby Groot. I. It's just. I think this is also it. It, it, it becomes very subjective. It's like we uh, we personally felt like Groot and Drax became overused. They became like you know like whatever made them successful. Let's just overdose it. You guys obviously love the overdosing. We were like, this is too much overdosing. This is kind of like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs as yeah. well. The exact same formula. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the first film, I really enjoyed it. It was good. The jokes, everything hit. And then they used what they had like when it's like you needed it. And then the second film was like, you know what? All that stuff worked, so let's do it again. But use it over and over and over. And then so the film, it was still aesthetically very pleasing. And there's a story and whatever. And yes, there was character development. People doing things because their character would do it. Not so much because the story wanted you to do it. But then as a film, you're like, that was not as good as the first one. There's a certain way like films are written to make them work as films. But then this one was just, like you guys keep saying, all character development. Ooh. But you're like, no, it's just, it sets them back, I feel like. I sets them back in what way? The characters, if you look at the characters where they start at the beginning of this movie, at the end of the movie, they're in different places. It's a, it's a, they all have these little character arcs. Some bigger than others, I'll give, it, I'll give you that. But the, cha- the characters are, not, are, are changed. And going back to the baby Groot thing about him being overused, maybe too cute and stuff, just look at the things they actually did with him. In the beginning of the, in the movie, he's out there like punching these little uh, uh, rat things. He's very aggressive, very angry, and stuff like that. At some point, those ravagers threw beer on him. At some point, he, he, he presents a severed toe. It's not them just marketing Baby Goo to be cute and selling toys. There's some deep, twisted stuff going on here, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You guys have to. Kind of literally looking at what he's doing, baby Groot. You know, it's 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 just some weird stuff going on over there, man. It's not. I, I think also he killed somebody, by the way, too. The guy that poured beer on him, he threw him oh, yeah. over that tower and stuff. Over. Yeah, so it's not. I, I think you guys are not giving this movie enough credit. Albert. It's not. I see. Here's the thing. Like I said before, it's subjective. Sure, the thing is, like you know, there's there's plenty of people who agree with what you guys say, and there's a good amount of people who agree with what we say that this has become an overdose, and it's like. There's a possibility, and once again, subjective opinion, that the colors and the Marvel logo and all of this may potentially blind people to the fact that over the years, as we look at the Marvel you know, movies, like what actually was a good Marvel movie, I do not think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will stand out in any way. It's going to make a lot of money. Of course it's going to make a lot of money, but it doesn't translate to quality like a movie that you know that will hold up, in my personal opinion, like Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier will still rank out as one of the best Marvel films ever because there was real Agreed. consequence. There was a stake. Shit was happening. There was humor. Everything was happening around it. Once again, subjective. You might, you guys and others think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the best Marvel film ever made with Not compelling really. character arcs of character development. We just don't see it that way. They're, yeah. like, we just felt it was shallow and it was like it was a nice idea. But ultimately, when you have when you're trying to cram in like 10, 12 characters, it becomes overstuffed and it just becomes this overstuffed feast with very pretty colors. Well, obviously, I don't completely see see the way you guys are saying it there. But but no, I don't think this is the best Marvel movie. I I think it still falls under like Civil War, Winter Soldier, one of those ones. But the, the thing is, though, with this one is that I actually, like I said, I like the personal feel of the movie. I really think it really is. A lot about the characters and the and the relationships, um, 
And I think that's the reason why it's not going to stand out in the future for a lot of people. Even people today still think the first one is better than this one. I'm actually more inclined to say this is better than the first one. And yeah. part of it is because of the way the characters are portrayed in this movie. It really felt like a character-driven movie as opposed to a plot-driven movie, which was what Jiaming was saying. And I, and I really appreciated that from this one. I like intimate-feeling movies, and this felt really intimate to me. So that's why it appealed to me. But yeah, that is also subjective. And I can yeah. see why people have complaints about it. I don't think this is a perfect movie either. I think there's a lot of problems with the third act. At some point, when Ego kind of really shows up, he, for, he really tries to kill them. I don't think Drax does anything. You know what I mean? I don't think Gamora and Nebula does anything in that third act. You know what I mean? I mentioned the blob. The blob didn't look very interesting or convincing and stuff like that. I thought Peter and his dad should have maybe like one more scene. And the Ego's, his plan to dominate the world should have been fleshed out a little bit better. And stuff. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's a very strong movie. I think I don't think any of the Marvel movies are perfect. I think like I think now, any movie, it, I don't it's, think any movie's perfect. It's by the run way. by a machine. It's oh sorry. Oh sorry. I, I was just saying I don't think any movie's perfect. You can always kind of nitpick a little bit, you know. Oh yeah. No, but, for sure. But it's not just the nitpicking a little bit. It's it's if you can't even enjoy this film. For us, I know you guys enjoyed it. It just takes away from the film entirely. Like, granted, maybe it could also be because we were watching it in 4DX and having shaking chairs all of a sudden. Maybe it could be it, yeah. But no, I, I just, I already didn't like the first film, and yeah. I was just watching this because I ever wanted to watch it, and I was like, well, also, yeah, first time an Asian superhero finally gets to grace the big, big screen, not Iron Fist level shit, but she actually looks Asian, and she's gonna play this character, cool. But I was like, oh. She reminded me of a Madame Butterfly, which is funny because. I because it's like she was the subservient, the the subservient, the, the 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 who. I mean, yes, she does like show. She betrays her master in the end, but that's her. That's her arc. It's like she's a subservient Asian little woman but the, who the, helps the the old white man sleep and all that kind of things. And then yes, yeah, she 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 shows her true colors and it's like I'm gonna help these people. But it's it. It's like baby steps. It's like. Marvel undoubtedly has an Asian problem, and I know they're trying, but it's like this does not feel like a huge step in progress. It feels like a little tiny microscopic step and then still riddled like problems with her character. It's like they, they could have made her much more ferocious because that's who she was in Origins, but they decided, hey, we can't do that. We're going to make her this meek little person. Thing. And throw her in a potential love story with Drax, which, yes, was never explicitly stated. But then they had the stupid, like, oh, he never really said he likes her. It's like, yeah, but the fact that they had them saying those comments to each other, I feel like it's hinting at shit. And just with a stupid formula that Marvel always goes through, every fucking female character has to be paired up with some guy. Like right. Black Widow, the Hulk. Like, uh... that didn't even make sense, by the way. Well, that, that, that's that's a constant problem with a lot of movies. Like, Look, look at the CW TV show. They do that all the time as well. It's just pretty much like... Yes, right now we're talking about Marvel, though. Talking about Marvel, Marvel in I know. general. No, the thing is that, what what, what I'm this, saying is that... Let's not even get into that territory. But like Marvel, it's like they... It's best, especially in if they're dealing with the world of superheroes, and especially if they have female superheroes. And on Dali, not only do they have an Asian problem, they seem to have a female problem. Right. They can't seem to have a female power who just stands on her own. Well, that what, has not happened yet. Yeah, but once again, uh, they are still a slave to the original comic books where back in the 60s, no, 70s. No, they're not. Why was it Mantis a fighting huge person instead of a fucking little bug? If they're such slaves, they keep changing the slaves when it comes to female stuff and Asian stuff. I was yes, gonna say, Tilda Swinton being the the ancient one, 
I mean, like, Marvel will change the origins when they need to, and more often than not, I've come to find that they do it especially in a not-so-good way, where it's like it doesn't really Only when work. it benefits the white person. So that 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 discussion is again that we're we're opening we're opening yeah, can of worms. Yes, we are. That's the thing. But but what, what what I'm saying is that that out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy is the one that took a lot more liberties than everything else. You know, even I agree if, with that. I agree. even the main characters and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, they have a few, they have a female problem where they're always paired up. But that's a bigger that's a bigger issue mm-hmm. that spans even beyond MCU. Uh, but but for the for the most part for this movie. Once again, it's just really more of like a personal taste, and I don't know how much more I can say about this. <laughs> I think we kind of I think we kind of went on the circles here. Like you said, it's just uh, it's interesting because Josephine never liked the first one. I loved the first one. Mm-hmm. I in funny that we both came out in the yeah. same ship for the second one. So it's interesting, like how my love for the first movie, what I love everything about, kind of became like it was. It's like. Here's a Cinnabon, and I love Cinnabons. Now here's 500, eat, like, eat all of them. That's what Volume 2 felt like for me. It was like an overdose. No, so that's enough. my personal opinion of it. I mean, for you guys, you'd be like, no, it works. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Like I said, it's subjective. Um, I actually thought Volume 1 was a little overrated, to tell you the truth. You know, I, I liked it a lot, but, but it still seemed to follow the same Marvel Cinematic Universe pattern in terms of storytelling. Well, like I said, this one kind of went places, you know, and everybody may not agree with the places it went to, and it may not feel like it's it's part of a bigger story like a lot of the MCU movies are, and that's what I really liked about it. And if nobody has anything else to say, thanks for listening. My name is Albert. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. You can also find me on my other uh, podcast, The Stuff and Junk Show, where we talk about uh, what the kids today like. And also, you can find me on my non-spoiler movie review show, or, I mean, uh, blog. I saw the movie blog. This is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter, J-I-A-M-I-N-G-L-I-O-U. Uh, this is Edward. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Cinnabon Monster. And Josephine's coming. Hey, wait, wait. <laughs> this is Josephine. You can find me on Facebook and and Instagram at SlowJoJojo, or Twitter at IamJosephine. You can send comments to whowhatwhereswhy.gmail.com via our Facebook page or through the website. If you want to show your support, the easiest thing to do is to share the show with others. You can also rate and review us on iTunes, which does actually help a lot. If you want to further show your support, visit our merchandise store on Zazzle. You can also um, want to consider making a pledge on our Patreon page, which will also get you our exclusive Patreon podcast called Extra Stuff, Extra Spoils. Music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Find them at theyaxis.com. All of the links and information can be found at whowhatwhereswhy.com. Uh, Edward, Josephine, have you seen the latest uh, Wonder Woman trailer? The final trailer, uh, I, I guess? saw it with no sound on, but I need to watch it again with sound. I mean, there are several. There's that in terms No, there's of... a new one that literally got oh, The MTV, one? Okay. Yeah. The MTV Awards oh, okay. last night. Okay. They, okay. I want to see that, and then I want to see the new Blade Runner trailer. We don't care. We're talking about Wonder Woman. Oh, oh okay. the Blade Runner right, trailer right. looks awesome. <laughs> but anyways, the reason why I bring this up is because Javi has something to say about it. <laughs> I, was, I, was something, I have something very sexist and very Wait, you're going to say. You're gonna ruin the trailer for us? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> no, it's, part, of a tra- it's part of the trailer that, that's been, uh, what do you call it? They showed this footage before. It's when she goes up on a ladder from the trenches and she goes confronting what they're not Nazis, the, the Germans on the side and they're shooting sure. her, right? Right. And then it's just from a different angle and different time in the scene. And just I just noticed the way she runs, she doesn't run very convincingly. She runs like a little, she just runs very slowly, very hesitantly. 
<laughs> Hesitantly, she looks like a little schoolgirl, not very athletic, not very strong. And I'm like, I was so texting. Little schoolgirls to you are not athletic yeah, and not see. strong. Yeah, I know. Huh? Here we go. Yeah, I, actually, I think the best way to describe it is it looks like she's jogging. Yeah. It looks like she's casually jogging. It's just like into a battlefield. The, ne- the non-sexist way of putting it is probably there's like no urgency to her running. You yeah, know no, I mean? yeah. There we go. She's just out no there. Urgency. She's just out there, kind of you know. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, now, now, yeah, it's not just... her war. It's some stupid <laughs> no, no. man but, war. But here's the thing, okay, Joseph, you have, you have, Joseph, you haven't seen it yet, right? Uh, I saw it, but with no sound on. Okay, but do you do you know what scene he's talking about? It's right at the beginning. You can't miss it. It's just all I'm saying is I have a bad feeling about this movie. Is just what I'm trying to say. Uh, Edward, do, do you know what he's talking about? I have not seen it, so yeah. I have to check it. But I, yeah, I got a bad feeling. I, I, I'm like DC. The DC's track records with their films have not been great so far. They're over three, and like <laughs> I'm like hoping, dear God, I yeah. hope Wonder Woman is an actually good film, and it's like there's a. Big possibility this like because and also like when they were shooting this, I've heard insider reports that the Wonder Woman film was a mess. Like yeah, just making it was yeah. a mess. Right. So will it? I mean, just because it's a mess doesn't mean it always comes out like crap. It can turn out well, but it's concerning to say the least. And so I guess we'll just have to see when it comes out. Like what? June, next month, the first week of June. June six, three weeks next month. month. Yeah. It, I just get the feeling she just. I don't know if she can carry a movie by herself. Okay, hold on. That's so, the thing. so I, I, I saw the footage that they showed at WonderCon, the action sequences, and they look actually pretty good. The right. action sequences look pretty good. My only concern is that all the action sequences I've seen in the trailer seem like those are the only action sequences in the movie, which I'm not sure if that's exactly how they want to play the movie right. Uh, but mm-hmm. to go back to Wajami's point, my counter-argument is that the reason why she's casually jogging mm-hmm. is because she needs to be able to see the bullets flying at her sure. so she can dodge them. Is she bulletproof or not? Is she, is no, she's she, not, actually. She's not bu- Technically, she's not really bulletproof, right? That's she's, the reason why she has the, the bracelets but to block But isn't she as love? strong as Superman? Superman? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. So what she's not gonna... Superman, but she is she's strong. strong. You know, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good point, though. I never seen the comic books her getting shot by bullets. Right. So is her skin invulnerable or not? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I'm asking you guys these questions. <laughs> I'm so, asking so you. So that, that goes back with my answer. Yeah. The reason why she's jogging on the battlefield because yeah. she needs to see the bullets to block them. She also has a shield too, by the way, too. She's blocking off her bracelets and her shield. So. Exactly. A lot of blocking. A lot of blocking. If she ran straight on full speed, she, she would have gotten shot. Can she fly or not? Can you she got fly? She's by an arrow, like an idiot Game of Thrones child. Yeah. I don't know. I so, just, so my answer is yes. You're being sexist by calling thank her. You. Like, thank you. Thank like you. Like a running like a little girl. <laughs> I, I accept that. I accept your score. Actually, that's my fault. Okay. And on that note, this has been another episode of Spoilers, Please, which is part of the Who, What, Worst, Why Network. Back